Hey guys, welcome to the Fans Only Meeting Podcast. I am your co-host, Clay, and with me as always is my co-host and brother-in-law, Chris Maricus. How you doing, Chris? Good, good. I am happy to be here, and I am happy to be here this week amongst all other weeks because we are kicking this SEC football season off. That's right. It's really, really exciting stuff that's happening down here in the SEC with the SEC-only schedule. So this is obviously our first show. Chris and I are avid LSU fans. Um, We love college football in general, but our main loyalties lie with LSU. We're going to pick the biggest games that are happening in the SEC. We're going to have a fan from each of those teams come represent themselves. They'll interact with each other. We'll ask some questions about what, where they think the game's going, what they think about the game, X's and O's, recruiting stuff, the whole nine. We're going to cover those teams from what they think the game's going to look like to what they think their coach is going to be wearing on the sidelines. Yeah, and the hope is, you know, you can, you can go online, you can go on the podcast store and find – 50,000 podcasts of two dudes sitting in a room talking to each other about a football game or a basketball game or something like that. Our hope is to get some exposure uh, to regular fans and kind of, you know, subject the masses to a little bit of shit talking and a little bit of a game talking and, you know, a little bit of back and forth. And so the idea there is that it's fun, free-flowing conversation that's a little bit different than two guys sitting in front of a microphone telling us what they think about a football game. So I didn't play football. This is not the X's and O's podcast. This is going to be, like Chris said, all about fans talking mad shit to each other going into the biggest game that week. Yeah, let's go ahead and get the elephant out of the room. Clay and I are both swimmers. (laughs) Uh, So I'm sure that will come up. I'm sure jokes will be made at our expense. As as they should. Yeah, (laughs) I deserve it. That is uh, probably the farthest you can get from being on the gridiron, sweating it out, clearing ways, blocking, throwing the throwing the pigskin around. But that doesn't ball. mean that we don't love the game of football. We just never played it. Right. High yeah. on passion, low on knowledge. <laughs> so a little bit about myself. I was born and raised in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I went to school on LSU's campus from kindergarten all the way to when I graduated and then I went to LSU. Not going to LSU was never really an option. I was raised as an LSU fan from the second I came out of my mom to today. I've always been an LSU fan, always will be an LSU fan. And um, yeah, last year was just incredible, man. Best year ever. Best year of my life. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, just an introduction to me and my backstory. I did not grow up and I was not born and raised in Baton Rouge. Grew up in Austin, Texas. So by geography, I should be a UT fan. Didn't get into school at UT. So I had to look elsewhere. It was either LSU or A&M. I chose LSU because they paid for school for free and fell in love with it when I was there. Married a girl from Baton Rouge and then started a podcast with her brother. That's pretty awesome, man. Here we are. (laughs) And now we're here. (laughs) So we're getting into week one. Football season's finally happening. I I could not be more excited. We're getting some semblance of normalcy back in our lives. Uh, I think it's going to be an incredibly exciting football season. To start off the season, the SEC kind of scheduled some stuff that was easier for the Blue Bloods to kind of get their feet wet. 
and then have their schedules backloaded with their more difficult games. So the first week uh, of the season, we're covering Kentucky and Auburn, and we're going to be covering Mississippi State versus LSU. Yeah, Kentucky-Auburn is the one kind of outlier from the five or the seven week one games where you've actually got a solid matchup. And Auburn probably feels a little bit left out. They didn't get the uh, the lucky draw that Bama and LSU did on their two extra yeah. cross-divisional games. They actually have to play a contender, contender in the East. they got to go up against Kentucky and Bob Stoops, you know, the program he's building out there. So, um, you know, the SEC knows what the people want. The people want Georgia, LSU, Alabama, Florida, Auburn. They want the big names playing each other ranked. But they uh, they allow us to kind of dip our feet in and get a taste of some really solid football week one with, you know, a bunch of stinkers and then one pretty good name. Well, um, with Kentucky, with Mark Stoops, it's really, really interesting what he has built there. I mean, it really speaks to how great of a coach he is. I mean, Kentucky is not a football school. They are a basketball school. They are in the same league as Duke, Kansas. They're not football schools. They're basketball, true and true. But Mark Stoops has gotten above that and has really turned Kentucky into a legitimate contender. Are they as good as Georgia? Are they as good as Florida? No, I don't think so. But realistically, they they have every reason to, at a minimum, place third, and they could go into a game against Georgia or a game against Florida and shock the world and maybe could represent the East. They're a good football team. Yeah, they could wreck some shit this year, and it all starts with this game. Yeah, that's right. And the second game, we got Mississippi State and LSU. Yeah, you know, people in the industry, people who are in the know, they tell you, write about what you know, podcast about what you know. And what we know is LSU football, so what better way to start? If it's a slate, uh, if it's a poo-poo platter to choose from, we might as well choose the poo-poo that we know. Um, (laughs) So – LSU, Mississippi State makes sense. We're going to have to do our best to this first week to kind of uh, quelm the LSU pride, keep that to a minimum so that there's a fair shot between Mississippi State and LSU. You might. I don't know. <laughs> it's like a sneeze. I can't hold it in sometimes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, you know, th- this game also does have some intrigue. You've got the darling of uh, 2019. you got the LSU national champs with the new age, uh, new haircut, air raid offense going up against the uh the weird uncle of air raid and mike leach you know defending national champs of football against the defending national champs of weirdest guy in college football and mike leach so maybe america uh, maybe america yeah Yeah. uh one of the one of the few pirates left i mean parrot head you know there there's a lot of interesting things to talk about there so well, yeah. I mean, and you and I obviously we're, we're not gonna, we're not going to hide from our biases about our love for LSU. But at the same time, they are the defending national champions. They're playing a guy, and Mike Leach, who's coming into the conference. He's always been trying to get 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 back to the conference. He was offensive coordinator at Kentucky. There's a lot of intrigue around him. There's a lot of intrigue around LSU and being the fact they're defending national champs, it only seems right that we're going to cover them on week one. Probably would have covered them even if they were playing Vanderbilt, but you know, it is what it is. They're playing Mississippi State. There's some stories there and it's going to be fun. Hey, you know what else? What? We make the rules. We do. It's our podcast. We make the rules. We're the boss. (laughs) Hey, so should uh, should we kick it over to the fan meetings at this point? 
Yeah, I think we should. I think we should. All right, guys. Today we have Auburn represented by Thomas, and we have Kentucky represented by another Clay. How are you guys doing? Great. Ready to get the season started. Good. Yeah, like he said, uh, it's been way too long, so uh, ready to get it going. All right. So, Clay, Mark Stoops coaching at Kentucky. Kentucky's obviously a basketball school. They're not really that known for being a football school at all. He's done a truly incredible job at Kentucky, bringing you all into the football powers of the SEC. How long do you think you can keep this guy in Kentucky? Um, hopefully as long as we can. I got, I got pretty worried last year. Florida State, job came open. He was defensive coordinator there for a few years, and they had talks, and they didn't really go anywhere. I don't know if that was on his end or their end, but, but I was happy that he didn't leave. My biggest concern about him leaving would be two of the Big Ten schools, being Ohio State and Michigan, because he is from Ohio, and that's where he gets a lot of his recruits right now. Because uh, obviously Kentucky's so close to Ohio. He's from that Youngstown area. And, you know, he does really well there because Ohio State normally recruits a lot of the national guys. So we get a lot of the Ohio guys that kind of fall off Ohio State's radar. But I think obviously the Ohio State job would be enticing to him. But I think the Michigan job would too, because they can probably pay more than we are. I think he's making $4.75 million here. And I don't think we can pay him and Calipari. So, you know, Michigan can probably offer him eight, nine million if they wanted to. And it seems like Harbaugh's always on the hot seat. So that would, those two schools scare me. But other than that, I, I'm good. I, I think that he's going to be here for a while. Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting answer to hear, but I'm glad you covered two things. One, you got our geography lesson in with Kentucky and Ohio being close to each other, something I didn't know until I was at least 20. <laughs> and then uh, you addressed the, uh, the elephant in the room with Bob Stoops or Mark Stoops and Calipari because I'm sure there's uh, some pissing matches that happen. Or maybe not. Maybe the pissing matches don't even happen because Mark Stoops knows where he lies with Calipari. Yeah, he, he probably does. You know, we'll never have a football coach paid more than a basketball coach at Kentucky, that's for sure. But. As is tradition. Yes, yes. Is that in the school bylaws, like the university so, creed? So I don't know if you all know this story or if it's just a Kentucky thing, but at one point we had Adolph Rupp and Bear Bryant, that basketball and football coach. And the rumor goes that for Christmas, um, the president or the AD or somebody, you know, this is in the 50s, got Adolph Rupp a car for Christmas and they got Bear Bryant a watch. And Bear Bryant left, and Kentucky football has been pretty shit ever since. So, <laughs> losing a guy like losing a guy like the Bears is pretty bad. Yeah, yeah. So not not good. Bear Bryant, never heard of him. <laughs> Thomas, similar question, but opposite. Gus Malzahn seems to constantly be on the hot seat, and there's always rumors that he's going to get poached by Arkansas, or he's going to get fed up with the hot seat and go to Arkansas. They've got their guy in Pittman, supposedly, allegedly. But, uh, you know, kind of what's your take? You think Gus is there to stay or you want him gone? I was always kind of puzzled by that because, it, you know, it's same conference, same same everything, even in the West. So it's, it's like you can't reasonably think you're going to get better recruits at Arkansas than you will at Auburn. Um, so I've never really bought too much into that as much. It's always puzzling. You can you can count on Gus to, to pull something crazy out. So it's almost one of those things. It's like just don't lose the real bad ones and then, for the love of God, beat Georgia or Alabama, which he tends to do one of the two. 
I mean, barring barring just a catastrophic season, I think we, we, we're going to hold on to Gus for a while. Now, I don't know how I feel about that. I'm sure it makes most of y'all pretty happy to hear that. But um, Yeah, I'm yeah. good with it. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, but it also comes kind of down to one of those things where you start looking, everybody gets so fed up with it, and then you go, okay, well, who's out there? And then you really can't really land on anybody that really want to go after. So – until until we just have a meltdown. Uh, my freshman year was was the year that um, we went three and nine. Two years after winning the national championship, I don't think we're gonna need something that bad, but we're gonna need something pretty bad before they actually uh, before they actually pull the trigger on Gus. And also, we're notorious for uh, paying coaches, you know, ten, twelve years after we fired them. So I don't think we want another coach on the payroll. <laughs> Well, it definitely helps Gus Malzahn's uh, argument when every year, like, the hot names are, like, I remember three years ago or whatever because Dana Holgerson was a big name, and he kind of, like, hasn't really done much since that year. Who's the UNC coach who got Larry fired Fedora. from Mac Jones? Tita. Larry Fedora. Yeah, yeah, not Tillman Fedora. Larry Fedora. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, Gus Malzahn definitely is like, well, I mean, you could fire me, but what are you going to go do get one yeah, of these Thomas, names? Thomas, honestly, from the outsider perspective, it seems like either Gus Malzahn on is going to get a massive, massive contract extension, or he's going to get fired. It's one or the other. And like, and the Auburn boosters are just like ready to ready to fucking pay. Yeah. Like, what are we going? Well, okay. Here's the thing. So all of my friends, all of my friends are Alabama fans, and my whole family's Alabama fans. Well, so two years ago, we we win the Iron Bowl. Yep. And then we get absolutely crushed by Georgia in, in the SEC championship. So then not only do we – they signed Gus to a new contract. We lost the SEC championship. So then Georgia and Alabama went to the national championship. So all my friends were like, thank you so much. Like, like Nick knew exactly what he was doing. He's like, we needed a bye week. We didn't need to play in the SEC championship. And also, Gus is going nowhere. And it's just like, like shit. Like, obviously, you're full of shit. But <laughs> that hurts. Like, it hurts when you're like – Ah, like you're right. <laughs> Wait, so you mean Nick Saban Doesn't didn't plan suck, to lose I mean. to Auburn that year? What? <laughs> How much does it suck that Nick Saban always knew somehow, no matter what happens? Yeah, it's all he's strategy. always right. <laughs> Dude, he's just haunt. He's gonna. I'm. I'm not convinced that he's not just gonna live forever. And he might be Napoleon Bonaparte. Just in a different <laughs> I mean, no way to know. Keeping it in uh, orange and navy there. So again, we say outside looking in. Outside looking in, Clay and I are both LSU fans. To us, it looks like Bo Nix sucks. What are your thoughts? <laughs> well, I'm not going to go that far. Um, I mean, he's no he's no Trevor Lawrence or someone like that. As a true freshman, just kind of come in and light him up. But I do think that he'll progress this year. Only issue is uh, we are really unsure of the O-line. So uh, we've got a lot of playmakers. we got a lot of guys coming back, which is which is good because we got nobody coming back from defense. But I, I think as long as the O-line can give him just a little bit of time I think we'll I think we may be okay I, I, I'm definitely not going to hype him up and say I'm going to make a run because of his amazing quarterback play but I, I am optimistic and I think he's gonna I think this will be the year he kind of will will figure out if he's you know going to be one of those one of those guys that's a potential four-year guy or should we start looking at other options he's definitely got the backstory and like maybe the temperament to be the Auburn Tim Tebow so I mean it'd be hard to turn your uh turn a blind eye to that possibility. maybe not as good as Tim Tebow though that, that's putting a lot of pressure on the guy. Not quite. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Clay, uh, Terry Wilson's coming back from injury this year. Last year, he gets hurt. 
and the guy comes in to replace him is your wide receiver, your wide receiver number one. You stopped throwing the ball forward. You reinvented the lateral pass. Are we going to see forward passes in Lexington, Kentucky this year, or is it just going to be laterals and triple option? Well, for, for the fans' sake, I certainly hope so because it was very boring football uh, to watch <laughs> last year. It, we took them back to the 20s. It was ground and pound, play defense. I threw about two or three passes a game. What's crazy is, you know, after Terry got hurt, we had that Florida game, and our backup was Sawyer Smith, and he came in and, and did pretty well against them, but he hurt his shoulder that game, and so then we were down to basically zero quarterbacks. That's when we went to Lynn, and, and we started having success with some Wildcat, um, but we're excited for Terry this year. One thing that I want to see from him is making smarter decisions. So he's super athletic. He's super fast. Hopefully he stays healthy. But I think his touchdown to interception ratio two years ago was like 11 to 8. And a lot of it was just like making the easy throw. Like he really struggles with quick slants, quick outs to the sideline. He overthrows his receiver a lot and gets picked off. Uh, now, apparently, he's had a great camp, and you see flashes from him. He has a really strong arm, and again, he provides that dual threat option. I mean, he's probably one of the fastest players on the team, um, but if he can make smart decisions and limit his turnovers, he fumbled a lot, too, two years ago. Um, so not turning the ball over is going to be key for him because if he doesn't turn it over, you know, I think our team can be really good this year with the way our defense is. It's going to be really interesting to see, and you said – the Kentucky offense was pretty boring last year. I thought that it was it was very entertaining to get a little blast from the past. Personally, it was it was kind of fun to watch. I remember watching the bowl game, watching you just drive down the field with you had like eight minutes left in the game, and y'all are just like, "Fuck it, we're gonna keep the ball for the rest of the game, and then we're gonna throw it forward to win it," which was awesome. That's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> if, but the problem is, if it was ever like more than third and seven, you're like, "All right, well, we're punting here," so <laughs> that that's what sucked. <laughs> so from the outsider perspective looking into the Kentucky season this year we're thinking that Kentucky's clearly the number three team in the east I think that if you win this game week one realistically you could go into your game against I think you played Georgia before you played Florida mm -hmm. undefeated in conference and could go into that game kind of preparing to shock the world what is the expectation do y'all think there's a chance you guys could shock really shock the world represent the east in atlanta are y'all are y'all just gonna be happy to go over 500 in conference no this is this is a for real thing this year i i think this team is probably better than that team we had two years ago when we went 10 and three and i think we finished second in the east that year we have we returned 17 starters so oh. we have experience everywhere and we're good where it really matters. So I would say our offensive line is probably top 10 in the country. Uh, the Cole Kubelek, the guy who does like the SEC now, he talks real highly of our uh, offensive line. I think we got three future uh, NFL players on there. And then our defensive line is stacked as well. Return Boogie Watson. He had 11 and a half sacks last year, uh, moving one of our outside linebackers to, to on the defensive line, Josh Paschal. Um, so we're really good in the trenches. But, I mean, that's the talk around here is, you know, two years ago we went 10-3. and three. It's, It was our best season in forever. But we're looking to build on that. That next step is Atlanta. And in a season where, you know, it's so weird in that, you know, we're going to Auburn, 
but it's not really going to be like an Auburn real away game because, you know, what do you have, 20,000 fans there? I think that's that's beneficial to us that a lot of our away games, especially um, usually in the SEC, they're, they're real rowdy. But, you know, with limited fans, that might help us some because we do have some tough road games. And then, you know, George is at home. So this Auburn game is definitely really crucial because then really you're looking at, well, we have to win one between Georgia and Florida. But I think the experience and our depth in the trenches should help us win. And of course, our defense, uh, you know, returning, I think, like nine starters on defense or something like that. They were the number four pass defense in the country last year. So if we can, we can ground and pound again, and then occasionally maybe Ter- Terry will throw a few bombs down the field. So, so there's not going to be very many fans in the stadium, but Thomas, have they come out and said if the Eagles going to fly this year? That's a good question. Um, to be honest with you, I, I do not know that answer. I would assume they still will, but uh, no. Yeah, I, like I wouldn't imagine that a falconer comes in contact with that many people. Yeah, <laughs> no, he's probably low risk COVID right there. Right. People keep their distance from the birds of prey guys. But so it's really interesting that Kentucky, you know, they're kind of in that third seat behind Georgia and Florida, at least from a national perspective. Auburn's in a really similar spot. You know, they kind of got bumped up into third, at least nationally, when Texas A&M schedules got released. And that's not really like a position that I would say Auburn's used to being in where they're behind these behind LSU, behind Texas A&M, as far as odds makers are concerned. What are you hearing or what are you feeling as far as Auburn's perspective for representing the West in the SEC title game and then maybe winning the whole thing? Um, so my friend, my friends and I always, we always joke if we ever start the season really hyped up, this year is a little different because there's so many factors that are kind of out of our control, but any year we're hyped up seems to be the year we fall on our face. So we're, we're typically pretty pumped when we're, you know, the, around the 18 ish number. Um, so yeah, I was a little surprised to see us where we were, but then, um, when the schedules came out, I think we definitely were a little favored. Um, I don't love some of the games we've got, but I mean, I think at the end of the year, kind of looking at. Well, obviously, you got Alabama, who, I mean, I think they've got like eight guys on the first team preseason SEC. I mean, it's clear number one. Uh, After that, I mean, I think it, I think it really is going to get interesting because, I mean, LSU is returning, but LSU is the returning champion, but I mean, it's a whole nother team, a completely different team. So uh, I'm interested to see if, I mean, if they keep it rolling how it is, and I think they're a clear number two, but if if they got some growing pains, and I think that you kind of have more of like a two, 2A, 2B, uh, maybe even a 2C with, with Auburn, LSU, and, and A&M. We'll see. I, I wish I wish I could talk to you all in two weeks instead of now after we, we play that Georgia game uh, <laughs> week two because that's, that's when we're going to really figure out if we got a team or not. Yeah, Thomas, you guys, I will tell you, if you're, you, you and your friends are not the only people who think that when Auburn is hyped, they end up sucking. Oh, yeah. It's, it's tale old as time. <laughs> <laughs> But you guys got a raw deal starting with Kentucky and then yeah. going straight to Auburn or uh, Georgia. Sorry. Well, yeah, that's the thing. A lot of people, they, you know, a lot of people that don't really keep up with it, and not to say I'm, I'm an expert by any means, but a lot of people, are like, oh yeah, sweet Kentucky, and I'm, it's like, no man, like it's not, <laughs> not same. <laughs> oh, any other year, any other decade. That's not. It's you're the only ranked matchup in the conference this week. I know. 
So I'm <laughs> nervous. I, I, uh, that, I think I looked I, I, the line is the line is a lot higher than I thought, but I was like, I would not take it. I think with well, the last I looked, I think it was like 10, maybe. I was like, down. It's down. It's down to seven and a half now. Okay. Yeah, that, that sounds that sounds more reasonable. Which I, I, you know, I'm still. This is the kind of game that we play. I mean, we will if we win it, it'll be you know, it'll it, it's going to be a close game. I think regardless, but you know, we Auburn doesn't know how to just blow a team out. So <laughs> I'm nervous. <laughs> That's, that's how Vegas gets their money. They're going to tickle it down until they get you in there. That's right. As an LSU fan myself, I went through the whole mid-2000s not blowing up. So, I, I, I feel your pain. <laughs> no matter the level, Auburn seems to play to the team they're playing against. That's it. We played to our – and then, you know, we'll have these, like, crazy – we'll have these crazy games. Like, you know, two years ago, we are talking about how we – I mean, we beat, we beat George's break. We beat their breaks off. You yeah, know, yeah. And then turned out, beat Alabama – smoked them but then you turn around and you get crushed in the sec, SEC championship so you, you know it's just so So one thing that we like to do with these fan interviews is we like to end them with with something a little fun I mean obviously you guys are not going to be the best of friends on Saturday but Thomas we want you to say something nice about the Kentucky Wildcats and the nice about the Wildcats um, I mean, I think I think it's a it's pretty a, kind of what you play what you've been talking about this whole time. It's cool to see a program build over the years, and I think it's it's cool to see have them a little bit more than a dynamic than just a basketball school. So yeah, I, I hope you give them a run for your money. I, I'd love to see anybody but Georgia win. So uh, <laughs> well, if we all in the East, no doubt. <laughs> That's a good answer. Other acceptable answers would have been excellent shade of blue, and I like the shiny helmets. That's nice. <laughs> Kentucky Clay, let's uh yeah. let's friends not war. Say something nice about Auburn. Oh man. I, I, I'm with you, Thomas. I actually think Bo Nix is is gonna be good. I know these guys are ragging on him. Uh, last year, you know, he's a true freshman. But I like his story too, like growing up an Auburn fan. And then uh Seth Williams is still there, isn't he? Yeah, Seth so Williams and yeah, and I mean he's he was a stud last year. And then you've also yeah. got a lot of people that a lot of people that they don't talk about is uh Anthony Schwartz. He's like he runs track, he's the fastest guy in the in the SEC, so yeah, well, I, Seth Williams is going to be a stud. I, I think he's a future NFL superstar. Another thing is, y'all need to start chilling on basketball. Y'all are getting a little bit too good for me. Uh, <laughs> Bruce Pearl's down there, you know, sweating his butt off and throwing off the jacket and getting all these good recruits. Now we, you know, Kentucky runs the SEC. We don't like to see the other teams creeping up there and and giving us a challenge. So chill, chill out on on that down there. Back off, Tom. You gotta back off. Well, as a now, as a as now a uh, basketball school, um, I, I can say we enjoy it quite a bit. It's fun being <laughs> basketball. It must be nice to go to a basketball school where your coach is not currently being investigated by the FBI and the NCAA. Yeah, it is. Uh, we'll, we'll wait. He's, he's giving out hella deals down there in Tigerland. Well, you know, Bruce Pearl and John Calipari do not cheat at all. Absolutely not. Oh, no. Never. <laughs> never, <laughs> never has, never will. Bruce Pearl, definitely not. He definitely did not get fired ever for NCAA violence. <laughs> Yeah. There'll be no, there'll be no Bruce slander on this podcast. <laughs> hey, we make the rules. We make the rules. <laughs> All right. Kicking off into LSU Mississippi state, our second game of the week that we're going to cover. Um, we've got Jason representing Mississippi state 
And we've got Max from at LSU, Tailgate LSU on Instagram, uh, representing the LSU fan side of the, uh, the coin here. And, you know, Jason, got to warn you, Clay and I are both LSU fans as well. We're going to do our best not to gang up on you, but um, I think you can hold your own, it seems like. That's okay, because I uh, actually lived in Baton Rouge for 17 years and sold the media around LSU for 17 years on Eagle 98.1, so uh, they paid my bills, so I was, um, I got to see the good, the bad, and the ugly of LSU, so I have no problems. (laughs) You'll hold your own. So, Max, uh, LSU is coming off the national championship in the 2019 season, a truly historic season, but they got to replace a lot of their roster. I mean, they're coming out in this game. They're favored by 19 and a half now, according to Odd Sharks. Do you, or if you're a betting man, do you hit that line, or, or what, what's your thoughts going into this game? This, you know, this is going to be probably the most unpredictable betting line of the season if I'm being honest you know it's it's week one and you know I've talked to a couple of players of uh, of other schools who said you know Max I can't I can't bet but if I had to bet on anything in week one in these early weeks I would bet the under every single time because there just hasn't been enough practice there hasn't been they didn't have spring ball they didn't the summer workouts were so limited and you couldn't have too many people together at the same time with COVID and everything so it's just there's going to be a lot of offenses that kind of looked a little look a little unpracticed and then also on top of that it's just you know like you said LSU's got an entire new roster and then along with that Mississippi State's got a whole new team too not a whole new team but a whole new scheme offensively and you know normally it's just pound the ball with 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 Kylan Hill and whoever the running quarterback is and just try to stay ahead of the chains and now you've got Mike Leach coming and bringing in this five wide attack from Washington State and so it's going to be really interesting to see how you know how Mississippi State adjusts to his offensive attack and how the new faces of LSU really step up here especially with it being such a young team. Well it's it's funny that you said you know the people you're talking to are saying take the unders because to me, it could end up like that's unpredictable, too, because it could end up like that Navy BYU game where one one team hits the over by themselves. Right. <laughs> so speaking of one team hitting the over by themselves, no, I'm just kidding. But, you know, MSU is breaking in a new coach against a defending national champion. That's never ideal. So from your perspective, do you feel like a 19.5 point underdog or do you think it's going to be closer than that, Jason? I mean, the last line that I saw was 16 and a half. It may be it may have gone up to 19 and a half, but I think Mississippi State has a great opportunity. I have no clue, uh, like like um, Max said, I mean, COVID has hit. There has been no spring ball. I am just excited that Moorhead is no longer there. He was horrible. I just, I, I was not happy with what Moorhead did uh, with our program because we were coming off of Dan Mullen. And I mean, Dan Mullen had done an awesome job at Mississippi State. I mean, I give the guy credit. I mean, he took a nobody where we had uh, Sylvester Croom and Jackie Sherrill. Uh, I mean, Jackie Sherrill was a good coach, but Sylvester Croom, when I was around that that school, it was just a, it was a shit show. 
and it was just, it was no good. Mullen came in. Uh, but to answer the question, I mean, L, uh, Mississippi State has always played uh, LSU hard in the previous years. I mean, from the Dak Prescott times when they came down there, and I'll never forget it. I was, y'all had just opened up your brand new stadium. You got 105,000 Raging Cajuns in there, and Dak Prescott ran all over you guys. And I mean, but I've also seen where y'all have gone to Starkville and run all over us. But with COVID, I, I, I mean, I, I think that Mike was bringing a, an awesome uh, opportunity here to Mississippi State. I think he's bringing some some extreme or some really live. I mean, he's going to be am, uh, animated. I, I I just I think Mississippi State's going to hold their own. I mean, we may not. We may not win, but the one th- good thing that we have going against us is there's only going to be 25,000 people. Y'all aren't going to be drunk yet. <laughs> no, we'll be drunk. It's a 2.30 game on CBS uh, Central Time. So, um, we'll who knows? I'm just, I'm just, so we'll still find a way to be drunk. Uh, yeah, I, was say, I wouldn't be so sure of that. At a, for the 11 a.m. kickoff we had with Vandy last year, they had already bought out all the stadium's alcohol. Uh-huh. <laughs> I know, but uh, I, I, uh, L- Mississippi State has always played LSU well, even last year with Joe Burrow in Starkville. Uh, I know y'all won the game, but it's at points it was closer than it really uh, than what it really was. And uh, we do have some of those guys coming back. But also, um, I'm eager to see what Mike Leach brings to this team. I know he's going to bring some excitement. And through a um, little bit of spring that they had before the COVID, uh, I know that he was getting these guys in shape. And I'm just excited to be able to sit down and watch football on a Saturday. So, Jason, Mississippi State's going to be breaking in a new quarterback in KJ Castello. He's obviously got more experience than Miles Brennan, transferring in from Stanford. And he's seen Mike Leach and what he's done at Washington State but he's stepping up in competition level. He's playing a tougher defense than he has on a day-in, day-out basis. What can we realistically expect from KJ this season? I think a kid coming from Stanford's already got the brains. I mean, anyone – uh, Stanford is an extremely hard school to get in, and I'm excited that he's already kind of known what Mike Leach is about. I mean, I, I'm just excited to, um, to see what this young man can do. But we're, we all don't know uh, what to expect. But uh, he does come from Stanford. He's got some um, – even coming to the SEC. I mean, there's other quarterbacks that have come from different conferences to the SEC and have done extremely well. Y'all had one last year, Joe Burrow. That's right. And um, he came from Ohio State and sat there for a couple years. And absolutely, last year he was remarkable. And I've never seen a quarterback improve so much from his junior year to senior year. It's, uh, I think also the coaches had a lot to do with that. And I think if our coaches at Mississippi State can um, help this young man from Stanford and get him comfortable, I think he's going, I think he's going to do well for us, and I'm excited. So it definitely seems like a lot of schools are trying to stamp out that Joe Burrow model. Georgia did the same thing. Mississippi State's got it going on with this guy. I mean, Miami. With Miami, uh, yeah. yeah. With Miami the, with King and Tate Martell. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Jason, one thing coming into this season that I find very interesting is Kylan Hill returned. And yeah. one thing about Mike Leach is he's not known for producing excellent running back play, 
but Kylan Hill is y'all's best returning player. There's no, there's no question about that. Um, how do you expect a guy like Kylan Hill to get used in this uh, Mike Leach offense? I mean, his air raid, he's not really going to be running between the tackles all that much. What do you expect to see? I mean, Kylan Hill has been our go-to person for the past two years that I know of with uh, yeah. with Moorhead, and uh, he has performed extremely good. I, I'm just excited. Uh, Kylan Hill is a great player, a great running back, and I think he's going to be pumped to – to be used wherever Coach Leach puts him, whether that's a running back or that's whether that's a uh, wide receiver, whatever. Um, I think Kylan Hill is just glad to be back and playing football at Mississippi State, and I think he's um, he's ready to play. And it's a, this his senior year, um, so no, I think that uh, and plus he has an opportunity to go to the next level, and I think he's going to have a going to have something on his back that says, "Hey, I'm ready for that next level. I, pro- I produced here at." Mississippi State, and uh, I think Leach is going to use uh, use him the best way that he knows uh, uh, what Kylan Hill can do. Yeah. It's definitely going to be interesting, that's for sure. So keeping and, it in the, the QB room, you know, Miles Brennan has basically only fielded questions about Joe Burrow uh, since <laughs> January 13th. But so, Max, what are you kind of thinking about what we see out of Miles week one, given all this Joe Burrow pressure? Um, so, you know, the thing is with – you know, a lot of people are saying, uh, like, I, I always see whenever we see uh, reruns of LSU games, cause, you know, I can't get enough of them. Whenever we see reruns of LSU games, I'll have, you know, my dad or whoever's watching the reruns with me say, like, like the Georgia play, for example, you know, where he, he just sheds two guys in the backfield and then throws on the run across his body and just puts it in the only spot that you could put it to Justin Jefferson you know, they'll say, you know, Joe Burrow is the only guy who can make that play. How are you going to replace that? Yeah, that's true. He's the only guy who can make that play in college football. But with that comes different, a different kind of scheme. You know, you're not going to ask a guy like Tom Brady to make that play when he's not, you know, a scrambler or a guy who makes plays on his feet. You know, it's just I think there's going to be a little more pre-snap reads this year with Miles. I think there's going to be a lot more of him just kind of knowing where he's going with the ball before the ball is even snapped and a lot more quick throws. But I, I expect Miles to have a really good season. I don't I don't think he needs to worry about being Joe Burrow. I just think he needs to worry about being Miles Brennan and the best Miles Brennan he can be. And, you know, if you look at it, he's got just so much help around him at the moment. You know, yes, we, we lost Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson and Thaddeus Moss. We lost – Clyde Everett-Hilaire coming out of the backfield on those checkdowns, which, you know, was an incredible mismatch for us last year. And it's going to be really hard to replace that. But, uh, you know, you return, you still return Terrace Marshall, who, who started in every game he was healthy for last year. And a lot of people forget that he was the team's leading receiver heading into week four against Vandy before he got hurt. And I've heard m- – multiple interviews with Mickey Joseph saying that Terrace was playing most of last season hurt the whole time and this year he looks even better you know you've got Racy McMath coming back who's played uh who played great in every game he got in last year um you know you've got that super talented freshman wideout in Kayshawn Boutte to be that little wide receiver three and then Eric Gilbert is just getting hype like no other thus far you know with with fall camp and everything and 
I even had a post earlier today about how two of his teammates, two of his veteran teammates are saying that he could possibly be the best tight end in the history of college football if he keeps on the rate that he is. So I think Miles definitely has a lot of weapons. I think his success is going to mainly be run through the offensive line. You know, if they can if they can give him time to throw, I think he can do a lot of damage in the air. He's got an incredibly talented arm. He can read the defense well. It's just, you know, can he have the time to throw? And I think he will. He's He came out on an interview earlier today and said he sees no weakness in the offensive line. So I'm expecting big things out of Miles. Uh, week one, it's going to be hard to determine because week one is always kind of weird, you know, in, in a normal season. So, I, you know, this year it's going to be even it's going to be even weirder. So we'll you know, we'll see. But I expect big things out of Miles. Yeah, and I like how you're basically reading from the Miles Brennan interview playbook there when you say Miles just needs to be the best Miles Brennan he can be. <laughs> exactly. That's like, that's like go-to peak Miles Brennan interview question, which is perfect. I mean, that's, that's, <laughs> that's one thing that you just hit on, which I, I find, as personally as an LSU fan, I find extremely exciting. I don't think I've ever seen a true freshman recruit as hyped as Eric Gilbert. And that includes Derek Stingley Jr. And Leonard uh-huh. Burnett. I mean, exactly. I, I, like, I can't remember a recruit that's been this hyped. I, mm-hmm. I mean, do you think he can possibly live up to that? I do. I, I think I've seen just – I've seen interview after interview with coaches saying he is the most college-ready player they have ever seen at the high school level. And, I mean, if you look at the measurables on this guy, he is 6'5", he's 253. And he can outrun DBs, you know, it's who, and then he's on, on top of that, you look at some of the routes he's running. He's not just running some, just, he's not running a poor route where he just gets open because of his physical stature, just because he's bigger and more physically imposing the defensive backs. He's light on his feet and he can run, you know, sharp, crisp routes at that, with that sheer size and natural athletic ability, it's just – it's going to be so hard to, to, to stop him. And tell you the truth, I think he's going to be – he can he's the kind of guy who can bail you out of a game if you need him to. You know, all, all the – all three wideouts are covered up, and you just kind of have to throw it up to someone. I think he's your best bet, you know. I think he can really – I really do think he can live up to the hype. And it's just every, every one of the LSU players, when asked about him, is comparing him to Calvin Johnson – they're all just saying he's going to be the best they've ever seen. So I, I believe he can, he can live up to it. I really do. Calvin Johnson, some pretty small shoes to fill, huh? <laughs> I think, I think I could, based off what I'm hearing, I think I could complete a in-game pass to Eric Gilbert. And I was on the team. <laughs> Jason, let's kick it back over to the Mississippi State side about gushing. Come into the season, you hire a new coach, you get rid of Joe Moorhead. Things are the fan base clearly is not happy with him in his tenure. What's the mood of the fan base going into this 2020 season? Are you, are you expecting a lot from this year? What exactly are you thinking? I mean, I just think that we're, we're, we're excited to play. Uh, we're excited to have a good coach and an exciting coach. Um, if we could just keep him quiet. And um, <laughs> y'all can Google his, um, y'all can Google his uh, interviews at times. I mean, he was at Texas Tech talking about fat girlfriends and I mean, <laughs> You never know what the pirate's going to say. Jason, and I was gonna I was expecting to be like, we're excited to see when this guy gets in front of him. <laughs> Not the opposite. <laughs> oh no. I'm I well I am excited, but I mean we we he also's got to realize where he kind of where he is right now. And I mean you can't talk about nooses in Mississippi. 
in any way. But no, I mean, I'm, I'm excited because it's going to bring back the fun against Ole Miss also and Mississippi State because they've got Lane Kiffin mm-hmm. up north. But I'm telling you, I think we're just excited that, uh, that Moorhead has moved on. Uh, we weren't happy at all last year. I mean, our team was, was not very well disciplined. We go down to the New Orleans Superdome and we almost lose to ULL, which is a very good football team. They just hung a lot of points a couple weeks ago on a good program. And uh, I mean, it was just the penalties. We almost lost the Egg Bowl last year. Um, and if it wasn't a dog um, in the dog pissing, um, <laughs> um, we, we would have probably lost that game. So um, we are just excited to have Coach Leach. He has been successful at all the programs that he has. And I think we're excited to see the new um, type of air raid that he's going to bring to uh, to Mississippi State. And hopefully it gets back to what Dan Mullen brought us um, for a, a good long time because that was a lot of fun to have a packed stadium and to hear the cowbells and to be number one at one time where we were number one going into Alabama and, of course, lost that game and embarrassed at Georgia Tech in the Orange Bowl. But um, uh, it was just exciting to be a, a season ticket holder during those times with Mullen and I'm I'm looking forward to having Leach back here and uh, bring some excitement to our uh, to our program. So do you think Leach has got the the air raid fully installed and we'll see that week one or is it going to be a kind of phase in type deal? Uh, Leach Leach has like proved himself at other schools. I think that he's going to come in here and, and and turn some heads. Urban Meyer pretty much ran the same type of offense at Florida and was very successful. So um, I'm, I'm really excited the way that our, our, our program's going, and um, I'm eager to, to see this game in Baton Rouge on Saturday. Uh, I just wish it was regular circumstances, but um, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun just to have SEC football to where we can make fun of people the week of and then just poke and do all kinds of things. That's, that's what makes SEC football fun. Yeah, I'll, I'll take it no matter which way we've got to have the stadium. It's worth it. So – Max, similar question, but maybe from a completely different perspective where LSU is coming down from the tippy top, mountaintop, down maybe back to earth. Or, you know, what do you what do you think the mood of the LSU fan base is? So, uh, you know, I, I, I think a lot, I think the fan base is very – Win another one. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no, that – well, you know, that's the crazy thing uh, is I hope we don't – in the near future, you know, Ed Orgeron loses a game to Nick Saban, you know, and it, it would drive me nuts when at the very beginning, when Les Miles started consistently losing to Nick Saban, when people were already calling for his job. And I would say, what? so what, your only complaint is that he can't beat Nick Saban? Well, you know, get a number and wait in line because that's everyone. No one can consistently beat that guy with the exception of maybe Urban Meyer and Dabo Sweeney. So, uh, and then, of course, you know, with Les Miles, a, a few other things just kind of it, – it was sort of a snowball effect. And then I, by the end of his run, I was ready. You know, I was ready along with the rest of the fan base. But I digress. Uh, I think I, – I, I'm really into – I really like Coach O. I, I think he's a great fit. I think uh, I think he knows his role. I think he knows what he's really good at. I think it took his run at Ole Miss and him getting turned down by USC – to to turn into the coach that he is now a lot of guys will say like well he's not really anything other than a recruiter but you know what to me if all you have to do is hire these super coordinators and just go recruit your butt off and be the best motivator in the world to get your team ready to play 
go for it. You know, it worked out for you last year. You had the best team of all time last year. So, you know, I, I really think the program is headed in in, uh, in the right direction. And, you know, just in the recruiting world, you know, where LSU is, is, a, is a constant top five team in the recruiting world now where we started to kind of slip towards that kind of 2017, 18 kind of time frame. And, I, you know, I really like the direction of the program. You know, it's tough for any coach to coach in the SEC, especially the SEC West, because that means you got to go through Auburn, you got to go through Alabama. In our case, we still have to go through Florida every year. And then if we win all, win all that, our reward is getting to play the winner of the East in Atlanta to hopefully make it out of the SEC. So I, it's going to be a really tough road ahead, no matter what season it is. But I really like the direction of the program. And I think the fans are behind him. I think it's just such a good fit for Coach O. And I, I really like the direction it's headed. So what I'm hearing is nothing but delusional optimism, and I love it. <laughs> well, y'all will have his job on the hanger here if y'all don't do anything. I promise you in the next two or three years, I have never seen peaks and valleys in y'all's fan base like I did for 17 years. And oh, Trust me. I, and, I, I mean, I um, selling advertising to the people is like, heck no, I'm not going to buy nothing until they, they get a new coach or a new AD or mm. – or something, and um, uh, I mean, uh, y'all got a $30 million locker room, and y'all got <laughs> money over there, so I mean, y'all keep, keep it up, but uh, but no, I, I'm, I, <clears throat> I think it's going to be a great game Saturday, to be honest. I think we're going to come, and we're going to be ready to play, and mm -hmm. uh, I think it's going to be a better game, and we're, it's going to be closer than you think. I really do, too. I think the spread is a little too high. And, uh, you know, I, I think a few things are going are gonna to play into that. I think if, if Mississippi State can find a way to utilize Osiris Mitchell and Shavers the way and create mismatches just with their sheer size and, and physical frame, I think that could be really big for them. And, you know, just especially against such a young new secondary with LSU, and then it's going to come down to the, you know, to the front seven. That, that's that's what it always comes down to in the SEC. Every, you know, every game, the front seven is the most important part. Yeah. So, um, Jason, one thing that we try to do on, on these interviews uh, at the end of them, when there's a lot of history between the two teams, uh, and obviously this rivalry has a lot of history between playing for almost 100 years, we like to see if the opposing fans can say something nice about the other team. So, Jason, say something nice about LSU. Y'all know how to cook. <laughs> y'all treat everybody. I'm seriously, y'all. I have I have been down there before before I ever lived there when I was actually going to school at Mississippi State, and y'all are so welcoming to y'all's tailgate. Y'all y'all know how to throw a party. But uh, but LSU's a good football team, and uh, it started back in the Saban era back back in 2000. What four, three, four, five. Um, 2003 is when we uh, yeah, the first 2003 and um, when Miles got there, I mean, y'all want nothing but the best. And um, Miles did it for a little time, and then his time was starting to uh, was go near. But Orgeron has picked it back up. But what I can say about LSU is they're a great program. They got great facilities. Uh, y'all know how to throw a party in a tailgate. I have no hard feelings for LSU. 
Uh, I'm a competitor at heart, and I I want L I want Mississippi State to go in there and just absolutely beat you guys because I heard it day in and day out from Jordy Collada and Matt Moscona of how we were uh, nothing but cowbells and cow manure and and all of that. But because uh, I mean I would they'll tell you you can go to Matt Moscona and say what does Jason do the Mississippi State week or go ask Gordy Rush I come in there with bulldog pants on and a Mississippi State tie. And I rub it in their face all week. And um, but no, I also know what good a program y'all have, and I think uh, I think y'all are y'all are uh, probably going to pick it up where y'all left off last year. But um, I really hope Mississippi State comes in there and just can get y'all off your pedestal for a little bit, yeah. and and, uh, and and put up a good game with a W out of uh, of Tiger Stadium. All right, so Max, let's finish making friends. Say right. something nice about Mississippi State. So I, I think uh, in my experience with Mississippi State fans, they are probably the most humble winners that I have come across in sports, you know, whether it be football, baseball, basketball, whatever it is. When they, you know, I, I talked a whole lot of trash to all of my Mississippi State friends in 2017 and we went and got absolutely obliterated in Starkville by 30 points and the first thing they were saying was yeah uh, LSU they got some good athletes but you know we pulled it out and I was thinking wow I, I would not be this, nearly this humble if I you know but uh they'll find you know, a way to compliment you very very humble winners and I think in the in the near future state is going to be uh, competing for, you know, 10, 11 win seasons with the creativity of Leach. You know, when we get back to regular schedules, of course, 10, 11 win uh, seasons. And I, I think the future is very bright for Mississippi State. And I think this is one of the more talented teams they've had in a while. All right. Well, hey, we are running out of time, guys, but I appreciate you guys coming on the pod, talking to us today. Uh, and uh, Absolutely. I hope it – I hope everybody's team wins on Saturday. You know, I'm just rooting for a good game. I just want them to go out there and have a good game. All right, guys, welcome back in the studio. We're going to wrap up here for week one. Yeah, uh, first official regular season podcast under our belt. You know, we had a couple hiccups. Probably the biggest one that we feel like we need to share with you guys is uh, we reached out to some fans that we weren't necessarily familiar with personally and ended up interviewing a 13-year-old. Um, and, you know, because of Spotify and iTunes and everything's bylaws requiring, you know, kind of 18 and over or parental consent, we felt like that was probably unnecessary um, or, you know, we would get in trouble for that. So huge shout out to Aiden for coming on the podcast. Uh, we can't post it, but maybe in five years, four years, if we're still doing this, we can revisit it and kind of take it out of the vault. Yeah, show. I mean, he was good. He was good. Just, you know, we, we, we made a business decision based off of our uh, networks to not post it because we didn't want our first episode to get taken down. Um, so let's let's wrap up. What's your, uh, what's your UK Auburn score prediction? What do you think that's going to look like? I think that it's going to be a close game. I think that Kentucky might pull this one out. I think it's going to come down to the last possession. It's the only ranked matchup in the league. My gut tells me Auburn's going to win, but my brain tells me that Kentucky might pull this one out. And so I'm going to listen to my brain. I'm going to say Kentucky pulls it out 
23 to 17. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's going to be low scoring. I think Auburn can't hold up. I think uh, or uh, Kentucky can't hold up with Auburn. I think Auburn's defense just leans on them too much. And uh, UK's quarterback struggles in week one coming off of injury. So I think it's low scoring, but I think it's, yeah, something like 21-14 Auburn. No place kickers, no field goals. 21-14 only touchdowns. How about Mississippi State LSU? What do you think? So for that game, I'm much more confident in the favorite. Uh, being an LSU fan, I've followed us. I think that the rumors of the demise of the LSU football program are much smaller than they've been made out to be. And so I think that the team is motivated. They've heard all summer long how much they suck, how bad they're going to be compared to the 2019 team. I think they're going to come out there. They're going to win by at least three touchdowns. I, I don't know what the score is going to be. I don't think Mike Leach is going to be able to stop them. They're going to run it all over them. And, and they may not pass it as much, but they're going to run it all over them and going to be a – Shellacking by LSU. Yeah, I I think it's going to look a lot worse than the score is going to indicate. So I, my score prediction is 35-21 with a lot of Mississippi State's 21 points coming at the end of the game. I think LSU gets to 35 at the beginning of the third quarter and just runs the ball, gets third stringers in, and, and doesn't put anything else on tape. But that's, that's my arrogant opinion there of uh, LSU's offense. Well, yeah, we're definitely arrogant about how great LSU is. So what? you can't be held to that opinion. But that's our opinion. Yeah, don't hold me to it. Yeah, by, by no means. Yeah, and the other thing to remember, I saw today, the LSU band is going to be 50-50. So they're going to have half of the band in the stadium, one quarter of the fans, half the band. So they should have that thing rocking twofold. Well, also, I'll be there. So I'll make sure that everyone on national television can hear me. Make sure you scream and shout extra loud. Yes, for sure. So uh, you want to close this out? Yeah, so uh, one thing that we wanted to do, uh, we are, this is our first episode covering the first week of the season, trying to grow our subscriber base. And so what we want you guys to do is we want you to post something. Every, uh, most people are going to be watching the games at home. Post a picture, post a tweet, and tag fans only meeting at fans only meeting this weekend. And uh, hopefully we can get, get to know a few more of you and um, grow our listener base and grow our social media presence. Yeah, don't tag us in your hashtag OnlyFans posts. We don't want. Don't that. do that no. again. We're, we're, if you look at our bios, we are not porn, not but porn. we are fans of college football. So hey, not to sound like a Arby's or a Wendy's commercials, but tell your friends and tell them to tell their friends if you enjoyed it. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, Chris, meeting adjourned. Meeting adjourned. Later, guys. See ya. All fan interviews of the Fans Only Meeting podcast are sponsored by Griffith Service Station. For all our listeners in the Mobile, Alabama area, Griffith Service Station is your one-stop shop for all your vehicle needs. Griffith Service Station provides a vast array of mechanic work, from oil changes to complete engine rebuild. Their store is stocked with over 100 brands of wine, beer, seltzers, and local IPAs. The only full-service gas station left in Mobile, Griffith Service Station has been family-owned and operated since 1958 and is located on the corner of Government and Ann Street. Give them a visit today.